Share the Load, a podcast about consent. I'm Mia Schachter, your host. I'm an intimacy coordinator and a consent educator. Today I'm talking to Serena, who can introduce himself. Hi, I'm Serena Caffrey, and I'm a visual and performance artist, arts worker, writer, and educator currently based in so-called Los Angeles or Tawangar. Great. <laughs> um, well, there were two things that I really wanted to talk to you specifically about today. One is consent and creativity because I've experienced a link there and also about your perform- performance art which is very heavily about endurance and so I'm most curious about like your sort of internal process um, consent with yourself around like can I keep going when do I stop um, and what that conversation is like for you so wherever you'd like to start I leave it to you totally um, well, first, just thanks so much for having me. Um, full disclosure, I did Mia's Somatic Consent <laughs> Educator training this spring, and it was super transformative. And I'm currently uh, in the process of building out my own consent and uh, yeah, consulting and teaching practice rooted in somatic consent education as it intersects with the creative process and in particular um endurance-based creative arts, um, which is obviously my background. Can you explain a little bit about what that means in a practical sense? Totally, yeah. So, well, I'll start from the beginning, which is that, you know, as an artist, and in particular in the context of COVID, um, I have been making work basically in a vacuum. (laughs) I have a creative community here in LA, um, but... I can talk more about my performance work if that's relevant, but just as it relates to the practice that I'm hoping to build, I think I really recognized performance and performativity to be a space of trial and error as it comes to building a consent practice with oneself. And so I'm really interested in expanding my creative practice to include workshops and teaching opportunities to invite participants and collaborators in um, to consent and somatic education um, within a performative context in order to assess their own self-limits. So Mm. for me, what that means most um, readily is, um, yeah, inviting collaborators into performance space and offering classes within the context of that collaboration um, as well as building out a teaching and consulting practice over time cool um are you comfortable do you want to adjust your chair (laughs) we're sharing a microphone today we're doing this in person for the first time since before covid so i just wanted to make sure that you're comfy Mm um I guess I have a curiosity about like what is the difference between like when is something endurance and when does it become art like running a marathon Mm -hmm. is not necessarily like performance art Mm -hmm. I suppose there's a way you could you could Mm -hmm. um do you see a like a differentiation there Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, 
just to give a little bit more context about like my own creative practice, I work um, at the intersection of printmaking and performance. Um, and the way that I think about performativity and endurance is, for me, it's all about like building a container. And so it's like, I work a lot with performance scores, which are basically just like plans for doing a thing that are all day. So like dawn to dusk performance scores. Mm. And something that for me differentiates performance from other types of endurance has to do with like the way that I'm setting that container. Mm. Um, Because like per your example, I also love to run, (laughs) but I don't think about going on runs as a performance. And so for me, it's super subtle and there's like a lot of play within yeah, within setting the container for some activity. And I, also, when I say that I make performance, a lot of the time that's not for an audience. Like, I'm not coming from a theater background. Um, and yeah, so like, for example, a lot of it has to do with um, experimenting with rules. I'm like, mm. I'm a Virgo. <clears throat> I'm a lot about systems. I really like systems and rules. And so sometimes for me, the only thing that differentiates a performance from other types of endurance is like setting certain rules that I may not even implement for the whole time that I'm doing a thing, but it, they're like organizing principles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some kind of structure and like an arc of like opening, doing a thing and then closing. Yeah, I would say so. Cool. It's... It's cool to hear you describe it because, you know, containers are a thing that we talk about in consent where like, you know, the container of like my bedroom, for Mm -hmm. example, versus the container of like my parents' house. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be certain boundaries and certain forms of consent established in my bedroom that don't extend to my parents' house Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, So, yeah, in like I've seen... um, an overlap there between consent and ritual, the way that you mm-hmm. also would like open a space and close a space, you know, open a space, perform a ritual and then close a space. Um, but yeah, like hearing you describe it, it's also a way to contain um, a performance that sort of makes it, you know, something that is outside of what's beyond it or <laughs> contained within like the rest of your life. Totally. Yeah. And I think for me, a lot of the ways that I use performance are actually like self-regulatory attempts. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a a lot of what my work has to do with is slowing down or creating havens of time outside of the capitalist logics that rule the rest of my world. Um, I work in a production pottery studio, so there's a lot of like, this is how much to do (laughs) which I mean I think is um true for most people but it's just super literal and like there's an object that needs to be whatever xyz a certain day and um I for me having cycles that modulate my activity to remind me that I need to stop doing stuff yeah that's like so important for my mental health and for me giving that kind of 
like cyclical ritual a home in a creative practice is one of the only ways that I've learned to be accountable to it. Mm. Um, so that's what's worked for me. Yeah, I'm almost like there's like a visual coming to mind where it's like without the containers, the practice is just like a cloud and you can't grasp it. But then like once you have a container for it, it can become like a liquid or a solid and then Mm. you can like, you know, touch it, feel it and then be like, and now I'm stepping away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. I love the word haven also. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice word for a container. Mm -hmm. So when you started to learn more about consent, um, what did you notice about the relationship, your relationship with creativity? How did it affect you? Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, full disclosure is that I think I realized that there were a lot of ways in which I was overriding self-consent in my creative work Mm -hmm. to date and like pushing through a lot of overdoing. Um, And so learning more about, in particular, I think the yes to no spectrum um, and finding a lot more nuance in where my body is at and creating room for the fact that multiple things can be true at the same time, you mm. know, of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, all of that information, I think helps me access some amount of grief that there's a way in which even through my creative work I was um, recasting kind of recreating systems of productivity you know systems that value productivity Mm -hmm. and extraction within my own body and within my own creative work and so I think learning more about consent has really slowed me down and has really forced me to take into account um, the degree to which I had been doing that and um, yeah and so that's a lot of what I'm interested in helping other artists explore Um, because there's a reality to the necessity of having discipline like I relate a lot to discipline as someone who likes to do a lot of things and wants to get a lot done because it brings me joy and satisfaction but it's so 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 easy to overdo that and I think get really caught up basically in an addiction to work um, because our society values achievement so much and um yeah, so basically I'm in a radical reassessment of what I do because yeah. of learning more about consent. Wow. Um, I just, Yaz Harris just taught an intro to BDSM and kink um, for some of my intimacy coordinator mentees um, yesterday. And they were talking about the difference between discipline and punishment. Mm-hmm. That like punishment can be a way to... Um, you know, uh, execute discipline, 
but discipline does not require punishment. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like this way, and you know, this is within a BDSM context, so it's like all consensual Mm -hmm. punishment. (laughs) You know, it's like I want to be punished and Mm -hmm. here are the ways that I want to be punished. But um, thinking about discipline in that way, like I think when I hear the word discipline, it's conflated with punishment. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking about is a different kind of thing that is more about structure Mm -hmm. and there's a way that like structure can be so beneficial it can be um you know it can it can create those containers Mm -hmm. that we were talking about so I I really appreciate that and I also want to like remove any um like connotation in my own mind where like not being disciplined is equated with laziness absolutely because I don't yeah I mean I don't really believe in laziness but I think that there's a way that like if I make certain promises to myself and then I break those promises, like that's a significant rupture of trust. Mm-hmm. And so like maintaining that discipline with myself, you know, there are moments where I'm going to say like, you know what, I like bit off more than I can chew here. Mm-hmm. And then that's a conversation that I'm having internally. But it can be really um, like trust building and can really help foster that secure attachment with self Mm -hmm. to say like, I'm going to do these things Mm -hmm. and then to like hold yourself accountable to those promises that you've made to yourself. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. Yeah. And I think, I think part of what's been necessary for me and what I'm remembering in this moment of kind of like a self inventory Mm -hmm. is that like, for example, I just spent a month out of town and um, had a lot more free time and felt, like, really rested and invigorated by this time to focus on creative work. And in my last couple of days there, I wrote out a calendar for what I was going to do when I got back. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to work and back to the rest of my life. And it's been, like, totally unrealistic to my capacity to execute the things that I had hoped to when I was in this, like, really well-resourced place. Right. And and what I think is so important for me to remember and is, like, a sort of checks and balances with myself, it's, like, super humbling, is, like, I cannot constantly output, you know? And I can't always anticipate what my capacity will be because of illness you know, um, just so many factors that are outside of my control. And, and that's also a lot of what I'm, I'm interested in is learning how to better attune to the cycles of rest and expansion that exist in the natural world and in my own body so that I can be more realistic with myself about when it does feel good to say, I'm going to do X, Y, Z and then do them. And when saying I'm going to do X, Y, Z, is setting myself up for a rupture of self-trust because I, whatever, I just, I'm feeling bad, I feel sick or whatever, and I can't do those things. So it's, you know, there's this phrase, an expectation is a premeditated resentment. (laughs) I think that's an AA. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and so, yeah, I I don't want to set myself up for resentment And so I need to create honest self-limits, even when I don't want to. Like, Mm. even when I would rather work seven days a week. Right. That's something that um, Beth Pickens, who is 
author of the book Your Art Will Save Your Life and also the book Make Your Art No Matter What. She's been super influential. She's a um, consultant for artists who has a background in therapy and like organizational grant writing and then combines these levels, these areas of expertise into a consulting practice in which she helps artists do what they do. Um, and one of her main rules with the people that she works with is you're not allowed to work seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. to take a day off, preferably two, preferably two days in a row. Yeah. And it's very challenging for me anyway to honor those limits, but I've found them to be super essential. Especially when you love your work. Yeah. It's really hard. Like there totally. are days when I'm like, well, I, I really want to do this thing, you know, mm-hmm. I really want to. Uh, make this Instagram post like I'm enjoying thinking going like letting myself go down this line of thinking and I really have to restrain myself Mm -hmm. I love that book by the way I read your art will save your life and it changed my life Mm -hmm. Um, this these cycles of of rest and expansion um, have been on my mind a lot lately and this is how I'm gonna do like a (laughs) non-ad right now I mean it's very relevant to what we've been talking about this like capitalism and um you know these cycles of production and things so like I have been approached over and over by like weird companies you know like can you promote our like teeth whitening stuff and I'm like no like on what planet does that relate to what I do I don't think I have the audience that you're (laughs) looking for you know um And then recently I was approached by this company called Foria that's like a CBD wellness brand. And I have had a long-standing sort of torturous relationship with luxury and rest. Like I hate baths. I have a really hard time slowing down. Um, And these are things that I know that are good for me and that I want to work on. Um, But it's it's been really hard. And like even as I, you know, make a little bit more money... I'm, I'm still really struggling with it. Um, and so one of the things that like, you know, I was having this internal dialogue with myself, like, do I want to, do I want to be a person who does ads and do Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, like, and then ultimately I was like, you know what, this is a way that I can like make some more money without working more, like Mm -hmm. without burning myself out. And the mission of that brand is to, like, help people relax and slow down and luxuriate. And I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. (laughs) So now I have these, like, CBD bath salts and this, like, relief salve and, like, um, you know, CBD lube and all this stuff. And I'm kind of like, all right, this is, like, a challenge for me to, A, I mean, see what it feels like to be, like, a person doing a brand deal thing and then B to be like all right challenge accepted I'm gonna try to slow down I'm gonna try to relax and it and it sort of helps me to have this like other reason to do it that's you know? so funny I know I mean I'd like to get to a point where I like don't need that other reason but but you know I'm like pushing myself to relax um so anyway I'm gonna put the what the way that it works is that like I have this like unique link that's for me and then I'm gonna put that in the show notes and then when you all use that link, I get 10% of that purchase. And there's also a discount code so that you get 20% off. So it's Mia S20. Um, so it's a, just a nice way for me to like, you know, force myself to relax and totally. um, get get a little kickback. Um, and also offer, offer everyone else 20% off. I love that. Yeah. I don't know. It's an experiment. 
Um, the other thing that I'm interested in about what you were saying is this, like, you know, yes, like being aware of your capacity and your limitations. And then what I'm hearing and what you're saying is like allowing yourself to say no to even like a past version of yourself, exactly. whether that was like five minutes ago you or when you were in New York or whatever. And like, so permission to say no to the, the version of you that made this promise. Totally. And then the second piece though is like, like, you can conscientiously and carefully expand your capacity, which requires you sometimes to push a little bit exactly. beyond your capacity. Totally. Yeah. And and that's, I I really love what you're saying because I think in my experience, your first question when we started talking was like, within endurance, how do you know if you want to keep going or not? Yeah. You know, and I think what's critical for me is like holding at the same time the, for lack of a better word, discipline of the container, of Mm, the structure mm -hmm. of like, okay, I said I was going to do this all day long. Cool. That's one version of this reality. The other version of this reality is that every second I'm making a choice to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And in order, for me, in order to access agency within structure, I have to give myself permission, the option to say no. Yeah. And just having that option is usually enough for me to be like, well, I could stop doing this, but I don't need to, or I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I want to re-engage. But sometimes... I have to step away and I have to stop doing the thing that I thought I was going to do all day. And, and so I think, yeah, having the option and then playing with the edge is really interesting. Yeah. That, that edge, like fluttering along the edge. I, I've been, the, this idea of edges has been on my mind a lot lately because I'm thinking about like being very honest and upfront with myself, but really with, with other people about like, I'm at, that's at the edge or like just past the edge of like my area of expertise or my knowledge or my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being able to say, you know, like, I think that requires a lot of confidence to be able to say like, I don't actually think that I'm able to do that job. And so we either need to bring in a consultant or, or you need to hire someone else because that's like, beyond and then also like hitting that edge alerts me to like where there is work to be done absolutely and where I want to grow you yes know? yes mm-hmm. yeah there was something about edges that is escaping me right now um that I ugh, never mind well I mean this is you know <laughs> very like I think ooh speak so much to also edging in a sexual context but I think Uh even not in a sexual context there's something so pleasurable for me about writing that edge yeah like that's where I get a lot of satisfaction is and and I think the reason that I work in this way and that I move to make the kind of endurance performances that I make is because I'm transformed by them yes like the experience of making a commitment and choosing to continue to say yes to something and and a willingness to be like to let that take you wherever it may even mm. if it's beyond my expectations is a super transformative experience and it's a really intimate experience with myself and also with everything that's involved in that situation 
So for me, I'm like paying a lot of attention to the sky, plants, wind. You know, my work is very place specific. Um, and when I was working more with other people, it's also very relational. Um, yeah, I think I think that space of edging within endurance and, and within performance is a super intimate and transformative space. And that's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah, there's this thing about how like the edge is where it starts to like lose density almost like like what I know is like pretty dense and then as it starts to get closer to the edge it starts to almost like dissolve Mm -hmm. you know and it's like starting to move outside and it's like I can decide then like where I want to continue to grow and make that part denser as in like it's something graspable and knowable to me Mm -hmm. um the way that you're talking about this is also making me think of relationships and this idea of like every relationship is in a sense like a an a, an endurance ta- task mm-hmm. and that idea of like wanting to say yes you know that every moment is like an opportunity to say yes to say no to say maybe to say later to you know mm-hmm. and like making that you know have having access to choice moment to moment um can be really it can it can help you stay in mm-hmm. relationship with people because as you said like just knowing that I have the choice can help me choose yes mm-hmm. um, whereas like it can also help you leave relationships um, and I think that's like where a lot of my uh, I don't know just like I'm not against marriage I'm largely kind of indifferent to it on a personal level but um, I think there's something that I've noticed where for or at least you know in people that I've dated where there's this idea of like if we say we're together then we're together and then I don't have to work at it anymore and like no this is really like we have to commit and recommit and recommit um but that also means that we can choose not to right and I think the risk is really vibrant mm-hmm mm-hmm Okay, I'm going to read these things that I am going to, that I'm offering so that anyone listening can hear. Um, And then also I want to mention, so Amelie Rousseau is my guitar teacher and also my producer. And she is also editing um, and writing the music for the Vinavore podcast where um, the owner of Vinavore wine shop um is interviewing women winemakers uh so that's a really cool podcast it's new um please check it out I highly recommend it uh and the other things that I wanted to mention is that I have an in-person consent class um November 6th in Glendale California Tongva land uh November that's November 6th and then I'm doing my consent mini which is the two-day kind of intro course again in December at the beginning of the month Um, and then I already have some stuff for 2023 one is um, a five-week boundaries and consent course for people pleasers and the other is a class on the rom-com the romantic comedy so that's gonna have like the first class will be an intro and then we're gonna watch four 
rom-coms that were formative for me and discuss them together through the lens of consent and boundaries. Um, That the the rom-coms are 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That, Empire Records, and oh no, I can't remember. Oh, Clueless. Clueless. Um, So that one will be really fun. That's that's pretty much all that's on deck aside from the the educator training that Serena mentioned, and that's uh, happening again in April. Um, I guess the la- in, in our last few minutes, I did want to ask you about um, like what comes to mind around the wor- the word challenge because that's a point on the yes to no spectrum, mm-hmm. and I hear it like in your work and the way that you're talking about it but I'm curious like specifically for you what that's what that brings up hmm interesting yeah there's so many different types of challenge right um it's challenging to write a bio as I was remembering (laughs) this morning it's challenging to do the same thing with my body all day because I choose to or because I'm paid to at my day job. Um, It's challenging to take risks in relationships. Um, I notice that I'm, as an artist and as a person, a super slow processor. And I'm also Mm. someone who takes on a lot of different types of projects at the same time. And so... (laughs) I think that I'm more apt to challenge myself in certain ways than Mm -hmm. I am in others. And for me, it's kind of like this dance of like, ooh, this thing feels really intimidating and scary, so I'm gonna hold off on that and try this other thing. And then when that becomes hard for some other reason, I get to be like, oh, this isn't feeling right anymore. I'm gonna challenge myself in this other territory. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this hula hoop that I'm kind of constantly approaching and then distancing myself from things that are scary for me. Um, Yeah, and I think I both want to challenge myself to grow in ways that I know that I need to and also have compassion for the interval that that's gonna happen in like I Mm. I just have a more I think secure relationship with the understanding that like the hula hoop I'm like you know my belly button is still in the center of the hula hoop even as it's moving around me like everything kind of comes back and every I don't know I feel like every aspect feeds into yes my ability to take on those other challenges I I definitely relate to that yeah. Yeah. How do you approach challenge? What does that feel like for you? Well, what's coming to mind for me right now is like, I, I ran a ceramics business from age 27 to 29. And I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dates are a little wonky, but, um, you know, it was something that was a hobby for a number of years and then I turned it into a business and it essentially ruined it for me and I was like determined to make that not be the case and then it just happened like I just I felt so much like beholden to the Christmas season I you know I I didn't make like making the same thing over and over again 
And so I shut the business down. And when I decided to go back to ceramics a little over a year ago, I was like, I'm doing this on my terms. You know, these are the rules. <laughs> these mm-hmm. are my boundaries. Yes. And that's been fine, but it's been very hard to access the feeling of wanting mm-hmm. to do ceramics mm-hmm. again. And it's this strange thing. It's like reminding me of responsive desire yes. in sex oh where I'm like, God. once I'm doing it, I'm really happy. <laughs> yes. But getting myself there. <laughs> and it's interesting because consent helped me access like all this musical potential in me that I like knew I had, but it was just mm-hmm. like this sleeping hibernating bear for my whole life. And, and really working with Amelie, and she's not paying me to say this, but she's an amazing guitar teacher and would probably be willing to teach you if you want lessons. But she, um, we both have backgrounds in device theater, which is like very related to the way that you're talking about structuring your performance. Um, and when we realized that, it cracked open all these possibilities because it meant that we could like pull from source material. It meant that we were no longer, um, you know, attached to like these particular like quote unquote rules about music that I had really grown up with learning classical piano. Um, you know, and now I have an EP and um, like have this whole... Which is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Mia played their inaugural I did. concert at a show I hosted. And I just want to say everyone <laughs> loved them. We were singing along, banging our heads. The neighborhood was like into it. So... I'm not getting paid to say it. Uh If you haven't checked it out yet, go listen. Thank you. Um, I play under the name Max Silver. The EP is called Costumes. Um, So anyway, (laughs) thank you. Uh, Music has been such a thing that, like such an expansive thing for me and like helped me access parts of my creativity and flow and confidence that, you know, were like latent. And it's interesting. It's been such a struggle for me to get back into ceramics with like even an ounce of the same enthusiasm. Um, but there's this, so there's this, you know, thinking about this, like along the yes to no spectrum, a lot of times I'm like, well, you're paying for this membership. So you really should go Mm. or like you have to trim those things because otherwise it's over, you know, like they just go to waste or you have to glaze them or like, they're just going to sit on your shelf, you know? So there's a lot of like shooting myself and mm. what, where I'm at with this idea of challenging myself is like, I, I am interested in getting back to that point, which is going to require consistency mm. and discipline mm. from me to shift my relationship to a place where I just want it as opposed to wanting to want it. Like, I mm. want to want to go to the ceramic studio, but I don't want to go to the ceramic mm-hmm. studio. In order to get to a place where I want to, I have to push myself a bit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels a little bit like I'm, you know, disciplining myself. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of this, like, fascist in my head being like, go to the pottery studio. Get up. Go. And it doesn't feel very good but you know this is where I'm like consent is not binary it's not just yes or no it's like I'm interested in changing my relationship which requires something that doesn't feel good right for a while right yeah and if I can add one thing to Mm -hmm. that like 
I think what has helped me move through that feeling is actually letting, like, yes, I'm going to go to the place. I, I work in the medium of cyanotype, which is a light sensitive process, and I prepare my cyanotypes at night. And so frequently I'll be in the position of it's like oh. 8 p.m., I'm really tired, but it's time for me to start working. Oh, God. And um, that's just the particularities of my schedule and studio. But I have found that it really helps if I actually give myself the option to, like, lay down on the floor in child's pose and just give myself, like, 10 minutes or 15 minutes to be like, I could not do this. Yes. And to access, again, that place of choice because... Yeah, I really value surrender. And I think remembering at all times that, like, the values and structures by which I'm living my life are optional. Yeah. And, like, you know, no one else is saying that you have to get back into ceramics. Of course not. You know? And so it's, like, giving myself, again, this sort of micro-container or haven of time in which to renegotiate that decision with myself. Yeah. And, and I do that in, like, a really bodily way. And and I think, lastly, like, I find that a lot of my resistance to doing the things that make me feel better and make me happy as an artist and as a person have to do with, like, not having enough time to, like, grieve. And a lot of my resistance to showing up to the life that I want to be living is because I'm just a little bummed out. And so I think, like, having those havens of time also help me reorient and, like, work through those feelings in a micro way Mm -hmm. so that then I can show up and, like, move past that if I choose to. Yeah. Yeah. Grief Grief. has been very much on the brain lately. I feel like that's a whole other episode. Whole other episode. (laughs) Um... Okay, well, Button is asleep on Serena's bag. Tennessee just came over to lay in the sun because she's also a cat, even though she's a 50-pound dog. Um, I don't know where Lucy... Oh, Lucy's right behind me. This was a very cozy podcast today. Um, Where can people find you? Anywhere? Yes. Um, Right now, I just have a website and Instagram for my work as an artist and will be building out platforms for more of the consulting and teaching work that I'm moving into. Um, so for now, that's just my name, um, Serena, S-E-R-E-N-A, Caffrey, C-A-F-F-R-E-Y.com. And my Instagram handle is Isir, which is spelled E-S-S-Y-R-E underscore underscore. That's the name I make music under. Thank you so, so, so much for having me, Mia. Oh, thanks for talking with me. Thanks, Serena. Our music today is by Amelie Rousseau. You can find her on Instagram at Sophia Bolt, S-O-F-I-A. Thanks, Amelie.